Hey there! Welcome once again to the Great Stories Podcast. I am your host for the show, Ryan Weber, and I am so glad you are listening today. I know it's been a while since I've had an episode uh, getting on the air here, but it feels good to be behind the mics again. I'm so glad uh, that we're getting it done today. i got a few good interviews coming up, and I'm pretty excited about it. So, uh, if you haven't heard of the show before, this is the Great Stories Podcast. What you're listening to is a conversational-style, long-format interview where I sit across the table from another human being, and we hear their story, uh, their highs, we hear their lows. Most importantly, though, we hear how they came to know Christ and what it's looked like in the context of their real life to follow Him. Uh, these are real people telling real stories. They're unedited, unrehearsed, totally unscripted. Uh, this is just about as real as it gets. Uh, so, if you enjoy the show, if you like what you hear, there's a couple ways that you can support what's going on here. Uh, the first way is to go on to patreon.com and just search for the full name, The Great Stories Podcast, and you can throw a few bucks down this way. I'm definitely not trying to get rich doing this, but I, I want the show to be uh, kind of self-sustaining and just having some some costs uh, made up just makes it easier for me to do it. And thank you for those who have already come and supported alongside so far. It's allowed me to get uh, some upgraded microphones, some better equipment, just increase the quality of the show, what you hear. Uh, so, uh, otherwise, most importantly, if you like what you hear, share what you hear. Uh, we believe that the the message of Christ's love uh, and his work in our lives is the best message that we have. And uh, I just want that message to get out. I don't want the Great Stories podcast to be something huge or great. I want the message that is talked about every single episode to be great. So there's that. Okay, uh, so I just wrapped up a great conversation uh, with a college student uh, actually taking a semester off from all of the you know the weirdness go going on in the educational system and uh, has taken the semester off to just really pursue uh, what she believed Christ is leading her to do. She's a, a Fremont native. Uh, she's a resonate church person and just an all-around really cool gal. We got into her story some, some of her background, and we really dug into just some of her thoughts on uh like the systemic racism and gentrification, the prison system, and, and just kind of like that whole uh, subject, which is a, a kind of a big deal these days. Uh, but we kind of dug into a lot of that. And, and honestly, um, she really helped me to adjust my perspective on things and help me to understand things better and really get down to the root of it. Like the, the question that I keep asking is like, what is the answer? What do we do about all of this? And I thought what she said was, it was super profound. Um, and that's, we got into that right about somewhere about the one hour mark, you know, if you wanted to jump right into that. But uh, anyway, you don't want to hear me talk about it. You actually want to hear it. So here uh, is my interview, my conversation with Madison Alexander. I hope you enjoy listening to this as much as we enjoyed recording it. Here we go.
Okay, Madison. Yes. You're officially on the Great Stories podcast. Whoa. <laughs> we were just talking about cars. So my first question is, what is your ideal perfect car? Dream car. Get crazy with it. Well, if I have the money to um, yes. prepare it and all that, right? definitely a Jeep. I'm oh, not as specific right. as most guys, but I know the look of what I want. Are you thinking? It's very off, outdoorsy. Like off-road, big tires and... Not too big. Like, okay. yours is pretty nice. Okay. Yeah. 33-inch tires. Three-inch lift. <laughs> All-terrain, snow, mud. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. yeah. Uh, sleet. Anything in your way, you just run it over and laugh as you go by. Unless it was alive when I ran it over. No, no. It's already dead. I go. still wouldn't want to run over okay. a dead squirrel. <laughs> you know. Um, well... I have a lot of stories about running things over, but we're talking about you today. Yes. Um, so you're taking a year off of APU. A semester off. A semester. Maybe. Semester. So far. Okay. From when is it, when did the semester start? August. Okay. Until. December. December, yeah. Okay. And what are you doing that for? Why would you go and do something like that? Why would I? Um, <laughs> I would. I want to blame it on God, but I have to take responsibility for this decision too. It was kind of like one of those, uh, like Jonah situations where God tells you to do something. You're like, why would I do that? Ooh. Um, but it kind of came down to what was best for me, and kind of being the guinea pig with half of my I'm nursing so with half of my clinicals online right would not be ideal mm. and plus I was going to have to live alone so it just didn't add up how can they do clinicals cuz clinicals is like in a clinic like that's why they call it <laughs> is that, am I am I just way off or no yes. yeah it's in a hospital or like, like they hand- do like the um used to do work with people experiencing homelessness, but mm. they would do like these simulations. So it's like a fake person, like kind of huh. like Sims, but for nursing. Scenarios. Yes. That's the word. But 10 times harder and unrealistic. Oh, gosh. So I had to do scenarios when I was uh, training to be a paramedic. I couldn't stand it. Yeah. Because you know what would happen? You'd get some proctor doing it, and he'd have, like, this attitude problem. And you'd come up and, like, you know, you're doing your thing. Okay, I got my gloves. I'm looking around the scene. I see the person laying there, and I walk up, and I, I look to see if they're breathing. And they go, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? What's the problem? I say, you didn't notice their leg missing? And I'm like, I'm like but no. But isn't breathing... It's APC, so breathing is the most important, is one of the most true, important. True, true. But they want you to verbalize all uh, of these things. I'm, yeah. I'm looking for this. I'm looking for that. It's like, bro, if if a leg was missing, I've, I would have noticed, okay? <laughs> it's not like I'm, if I didn't say it, well, I didn't even check to see if he had legs, you know, whatever. Imaginary scenarios are rough. I can't blame you for wanting to duck out of that for the yeah. time being. And so that's till December. 
Yeah. Okay. Unless God says otherwise. All right. So what is he? What is he? Jonah, you to be doing for the time being? Um, a mix of things. Yeah. At first, it was working with res kids. Yeah. And doing like the, um, summer camp and all that, and it looked like I was gonna intern, but then God was like, "No, let's wait." I, I know this is what is really easy for you and what like I've made you to do, but I also have other things. I'm like, okay. So then I just, I was sitting around, um, with a conviction on my heart about racial reconciliation and justice Yes. and ended up talking to, um, one of our elders, Justin about it and got a little project in the works. So, Mm. yeah. Is this a, pr- a project you are at liberty to speak of? Or? Oh, a little bit. Kind of, well, I'm curious. You already know about it. It's uh, about that <laughs> table idea. Yes. <laughs> and? <laughs> but, yeah, being able to really have those hard, uncomfortable conversations surrounding race yeah. um, and the questions that people are too scared to ask. Yeah. And kind of activating people um, to be able to have those conversations on their own and expanding the kingdom in that way. Ooh, well, there's a lot there. I think uh, we'll come back around on that. I got, I have some questions for you about all that. All that jazz. But what I'd love to do first is my favorite thing. Let's rewind the clock. And it's <laughs> back in time to little, little... <laughs> baby Madison and she comes out oh mom and dad are so proud what was it like growing up being you what could, what went into making you this person sitting here today um a lot <laughs> go for it <laughs> <laughs> I've been in Fremont my whole life um my parents were Christian and so I grew up in a Christian household and I have two other siblings Matthew and Megan and yeah, it was, when I look back on it, it was a very, it was so much of a blessing, um, to be in a family that I can have fun with, but also learn about Jesus and see how much my parents loved God. Mm. Um, but I was also very spoiled being the youngest child. If there are any, you know, youngest siblings <laughs> listening out here, they already know. <laughs> the baby. <laughs> so... But yeah. Hmm. So your parents have always been, to your knowledge, Christian people. Was there? Well, when I was born, yes, they they, were? they became Christian right before my brother was born. Okay. And your brother's the oldest. oldest yeah. Okay, Br- brother and then two sisters. One sister. Yeah, but he well, had he oh, had two sisters. Yeah, including, I, I see where you're going. I see. Including you. You had another sister. You didn't know? Oh gosh. Big Uh-oh. news today on this podcast. Uh, aw- awkward. <laughs> cool. So, what was the, what was the like family life like as a kid? You you born in Fremont, okay? You went to school around here. Yeah, um, I had a lot of like. Oh, my mind's going blank. <laughs> friends. <laughs> yeah, I had, I had a lot of friends. I got to see my grandma a lot um, because my grandma was in Walnut Creek. So it was nice to be able to have that like family dynamic. Um, Mm -hmm. And my dad worked 
like a nine to five job for a while. Yeah. And so my family, even though we didn't always see each other, we would come back at the end of the day. My dad would come home and we'd like see them. We'd had this song like just for him and I'm not going to sing it because no. it's embarrassing. Oh, come on. You can't say that and not <sighs> at least say the words maybe. You know, like if you know the words, you don't have to sing it, but like just daddy's home. Something like that. It's Go. like dad and us. Dad. <laughs> daddy in the morning. Daddy in the evening. <laughs> and then we sing that over and over again. That's and so cute. Yeah. It was kind of like I was living in a fantasy. So That's the best way for a dad yeah. to come home. <laughs> Seeing his kids sing a little song. That's no, yeah. adorable. But oh. we'd have like, my dad would, um, he'd tickle us and stuff like that. So we have like tickle <laughs> fights. Um, and then... Yeah, we had we had a couple pets growing up. Had a hamster, it died. Oh. I don't know what happened to our cat, to be honest. <laughs> doesn't, but, doesn't matter. Cats are no. evil, so yeah. whatever. But my parents always did their <laughs> knowing, like they always did their best to provide for me. Yeah. Um, and if I wanted to go do something, especially if it was with church, I got to do it. <laughs> so, and they never like put any competition on me or my sister. Which was really nice because the huh. rest of the world loved to. Indeed, they do. Yeah, your parents are cool. I, I got to know each of them separately. We, this happens so often in the church world because uh, your mom served in Res Kids or or <laughs> Vibe yep. at the time during like a summer, and then I met uh, Pete during uh, an MC, and I had I had no clue, you know. <laughs> For apparent reasons, <laughs> I was like, I, I just never had seen you in the same spot at the same time. And then he's talking about his wife, my wife Michelle. My wife, I'm like, who's the heck, Michelle? And then I put it together. <laughs> ah, it makes sense. Anyway, I've told you before. If your dad happens to be listening, your dad's one of the coolest people ever. He's legit, so cool. First, I'm going to fast forward through this exact moment so he doesn't hear that. <laughs> first time I saw him was walking through the Resonate Courtyard. I don't know what it was, a Mother's Day or something fancy, and he's wearing this long coat and he had this cool, like, like 1920s, like, beer baron gangster hat on. I was like, dang, this is the coolest guy here. That's your dad. That's so cool. Anyway, Pete's great. Yeah, I see that as goofy. Um and overdramatic, but it's okay. <laughs> it's awesome. So tell me about church life as a kid. Where were you at? I grew up in three different churches. I don't remember the name of the first one because I was a baby hmm. up until like maybe five or six. But I remember things about it of like being able to, you know, run the sanctuary and um, play with my friends and they had this like little I think it was actually at a hotel because they had this gift store that had like things from California so now <laughs> it kind of like adds up but <laughs> yeah okay gift and shop then we had some of our like our family friends growing up from that church and then I went to ALCF um, Abundant Life Christian Fellowship huh. and that was really what rooted me in Christ and um being able to fall in love with Sunday school and, and being able to see like, oh, Jesus actually is fun. He's not just, you know, hmm. God the Father, but you can actually see like, I don't know, he's a goofball too. <laughs> How old do you think you were when you went there? Um, From like 
probably seven to sophomore year of high school. Oh, really? That long? Yeah. Sophomore year. Okay. So when did you guys make the move to resonate then? My sophomore year. Sophomore year. <laughs> okay. You just went one from the other. Yes. Because that's right. Abundant Life had some hiccups right about then. Yeah. That's right. Okay. I feel like I knew you longer than that. Sophomore year. Well, really. Awana. At NCC. Yeah. That's right. Yes. I remember you were this big, yes. <laughs> big guy with <laughs> Adara. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, their car's so much cooler than mine. Remember those race cars that we had to make? That's right. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my gosh. You were there for that. Dang. Shoot. So you're, okay, what year were you born then? 98. 98. Okay, so you would have been a couple years ahead of Adara. Yeah. Gosh, that's funny. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. Well, and then then you would have disappeared for two or three years in my mind. <laughs> and then sophomore year, you pop up. That's yep. awesome. Yeah. So here's a fun question. So for folks in your position, growing up in a family that, that is a church-going family, you do a wanna, you kind of always been around it. Can you Can you pinpoint when you would say you knew Christ or can you pinpoint a few spots where it was like punctuated like how, how do you organize that in your mind good question I don't know um I think I knew Christ was real when I would see my parents in the morning if I get up if I got up earlier than usual for school i would see my parents praying and they'd be on their knees and i was like what is this (laughs) um and realizing like that connection of like oh like god must be real if my parents are praying to him Mm. um and then i think all of sunday school just the way that jesus was displayed to me um that he wanted to save me from things that i haven't that i haven't done yet and the things that i have done and when i've been mean to my sister when i Mm. would mess up he still wanted to save me still loved me um and so like those are some like really pinpoint moments before i got saved but yeah so that's like foundational type of stuff yeah so when did it really come home for you um, I got baptized at nine and I knew like it was looking back on it. Like I knew it was my own decision. Hmm. Um, and yeah, I was encouraged by like my brother and my sister wanted to get baptized too. Yeah. But it just like felt right in that moment. Like I knew it was true. But then after like I got saved, I think one of the first one that I really remember um, was my in eighth grade in winter camp. We were in the back of the sanctuary um, because one of my friends wanted to sit with her other friends. So I was like, it's okay. Like, I'll go to the back. And we were worshiping. And then all of a sudden, like, I look up and I see everyone either with their hands up or on their knees. And I just felt like the presence of the Lord. And uh-huh. I was like, Jesus, like, this is all for you. Like, it's all for him, so therefore, like, how can you not, like, be who you say you are? Wow. This is That's why I love camps. Oh, yeah. Camps are where it's at. Almost every every person 
like in that in that zone high school college will refer to a camp as like oh yeah the big moment i mean i went to all of amp camps so uh i got a i got yeah. a ton you went to everyone yeah you uh if you came as a sophomore then you went to three winters Three summers. Oh, you went to a bonus summer. I went actually. to a bunch of summers after that. <laughs> you kept you kept coming to things. I don't know how you pulled that off, but even after graduated. Like, I'm, a, hey. I'm a magician. She did it. Yeah. And you went to Vegas a couple times. No. no you didn't I never went there. to Vegas. That was the one thing where I was like, oh, wow. You did. I went to San Francisco. Okay. You did a tenderloin. Yes. Okay. I should. Literally, Chase would come up to me like two times. He came up to me different years. He goes, Hey, like someone dropped. You want to go to Vegas? I'm like, I got a job. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. What were a couple of your like big experiences amp wise? It's memorable. I think. Well, first off, like when I first came to amp, I was very like, I don't want to go here. Like, I'm not gonna feel like I already have my people back at ALCF. I'm a youth group. Yeah. Um. But one of my friends was like, hey, like, um, that we knew from across the street, told me to come. And I was welcomed by Marco Marquez. Yep. He is literally the most welcoming person. I know. That you will ever meet. He makes you feel like you belong, that you're actually important. Um, Shout out to Marco. Oh, yeah. Come on the podcast. Come on the podcast, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely should. You will not be disappointed. And bring uh, MJ while you're at it. Yes. Um, But, yeah, I think that was one of still to this day weirdly enough one of my highlights of amp um and then i think going to uh, not only san francisco with chase but also kenya with chase um we pretty much spent the whole summer together and got just know like (laughs) um the way that his brain works and um really seeing like that i shouldn't be ashamed of my faith he's not ashamed like at all and you know he even admitted, you know, like, I mean, no, I'll keep that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let him share that. But, um. Shout out to Chase McVean. Come on the podcast, bro. Yep. <laughs> I'm just going to pull out, I'm just going to call everyone that needs to be on this podcast. Call everyone out. <laughs> they already know I'm coming. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but that was like something that really like stood out to me. And then I still remember the sermon that you gave about where you were at in life and you were like i'm 30 years old i'm single (laughs) (laughs) but i know that this is where god wants me to be and it was something that kind of like sat with me of like oh like no matter like where i am in life like even if i'm i end up 30 and single like if i'm still living for god like that's really what matters yeah um but who knew (laughs) Things are happening. I know. Shout out to Katie Salt. It's happening. Um, yeah. It probably wasn't 30. That was more like, like 34, 35. Yeah, even, I don't remember the age. It's even worse. It's, it's just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you know, I, those kinds of things, I think um, they preach well. It's a great message. It's super hard to believe it. I found that um, the difference between like knowing something and actually like believing it and living by it is a is a huge difference. Oh yeah. And that that's one of those like 
you know, the, the bigger question is like just trusting, like, does God really have my best in mind? Or would I just rather tell him what I'd like? <laughs> yeah. So far, I've approved of the way he's worked things out, <laughs> even though I've kicked and screamed, you know, for most of it. Yeah. Yeah, I've been there. I know. Yeah, and I probably will still be there, uh, given another 10 years. Yeah. The funny thing is, regardless of how much you kick and scream, you, you still kind of end up right where he wanted you anyway. It's odd. Yeah, it's almost like he's in control or whatever. <laughs> it's almost like he's God or something. Crazy. Um, so, fast forward a bit then. Um, your Amplify experience. Uh, and at what point did you go to Kenya? When were you still in high school when you did that? Yeah, I was. it was my senior year of high school. It went... Um, I missed the first few days of school, and we went in August of 2015. Yeah. I've never talked to you about that trip. <laughs> I didn't talk to a lot of people about that trip. I well, probably should have. <laughs> well, now we can talk to everybody listening about the trip. So tell me a little bit about Kenya. Um, yeah, we went to kind of scope out um, potential um, partner partners and just seeing like the needs of Kenya and got to really spend time at different locations different um they called them projects uh because it was with compassion international yeah and we got to kind of see just how each one works and we were just welcomed with so much hospitality it was like it was such a shock to me because i was like america is not this way <laughs> like we're so like we're not neighborly like mm. we don't like give everything we have um, and even the little things that, like, someone may gift us, like, our gratefulness compared to what I saw and, like, what I experienced was just, like, mm. it was like a seesaw. Um, yeah. Like, we're down here. They're up here. Yeah. Um, what does that look like? Like, for example, <laughs> um, it was one of, like, the last days we were there and we had these gift baskets and it was just, like, toiletries like the necessities right. um and we got to visit like um different homes and one of these families welcomed us into their home and like it was pretty small the size of a bathroom um huh. and when we gave it to them like they're going through it and they're just so excited and they got to like this toothbrush holder not just the toothbrush but the toothbrush holder and like the excitement on their face like the, the like gratefulness of them was just like they're just like wow like thank you so much like was so they were uh. so genuine and i was like what this is just a toothbrush holder like it's not <laughs> even something like but it clicked of like it wasn't even just that they we gave them like those certain things it was just like mm. it was that heart to heart like wow. they cared that we cared for them um and even to this day i still have trouble with it but like Either I'll see someone who's not grateful about something so, like, small, but, like, a lot of thought went into it, or, like, I'm not grateful for something, and I'm like, yeah, ah, sin. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, what, what else happened on that? Was there something, there was a, some old lady that you and Chase connected with? Like, it's some old lady that was, like, dancing or telling stories or hiking, or, gosh, I forget. That's his, I'll let him tell it. 
whatever. I'm trying to think. I I do know, like, we talked um, at one of the projects we were at. Um, there was this family, and one of the girls, she, um, a lot of the kids, unfortunately, like, just because of, you know, living, whether they lived in the slums or um, this is literally the only source of like education and food Mm. um a lot of kids in kenya and in other places in africa like have aids or hiv because they don't have the proper care when they're born um or they're not born into the like great conditions um and she had hiv and her grandma was with her um and i believe she had it too and it was like we just had this conversation we're like expecting when you hear that stuff you're like expecting people to you know be sad be you know like not really care for life but like they really just had so much joy and um just would be laughing and stuff like that i don't know if that was what he was talking about but yeah it was huh. it was just it was just different in the best <laughs> best way um and really humbling of like wow like i have so much privilege over here like yeah i need to stop taking advantage of it well you start to you start to wonder if like, so I I've never been to Kenya, or or any like third world com- country, but I've, you know, seen a lot of media and I've talked to a lot of people who have been, and they all describe that like simple, peaceful happiness, mm-hmm. like a real genuine joy, that has nothing to do with their circumstance, because if you were to take like, the average American person and transplant them into that environment and say, this is your life now. They'd freak out. They lost everything. That's what they say. Oh, I've lost everything. I'm living in a dirt hut. I don't have any electricity. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know how bad, you know, you, you can get most of Africa is that way. And like, we would fall apart. It'd be devastating. My life is over. But then they'd be one hut away from people who are rejoicing. You know, just this happiness, appreciation for a, a toothbrush holder. Like, I'm not, I don't even have a toothbrush holder. You know why? Because I don't even care. <laughs> it's not, yeah. I don't even, you know, but I've got clean water that just magically comes out of this this thing in my kitchen and in the bathroom. I have a whole bowl of it that I, like, do my business in, you know, and it's like, <laughs> I got more food in here that I need. Everyone knows that. And yeah, it just makes you wonder, like... None of this actually makes you happy. Yeah. It makes you feel things, but you're not actually secure. You're not actually happy. It's that temporary satisfaction. Right. But, yeah. This is why, like, I I find myself a lot of times in, in, like, super rich neighborhoods, like Atherton and, you know, where you can't look at a house for less than, like, $15 million and that kind of thing. And across the board... Those people are grumpy. Just always just RBFing like crazy. And they just seem never, they're never happy. I'm like, gosh, you have everything everyone wants. And this guy living in a hut is yeah. happier. Yeah. Interesting perspective. No, yeah, and it's a, it's a hard one to take too. Yeah. Because there were a lot of times that I would, I came back really angry. Both the times I went to Kenya. Um, I came right. back really angry at Americans and just the consumerism. And I was like, you 
finish your food. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You're going to be that mom. <laughs> They're starving children. <laughs> I won't lie. Uh, my mom was that mom. <laughs> um, but yeah, just coming back really angry and was when I was like, God, like I don't want to be angry, but I can't help it. Like yeah. literally how, if we had just like, if we give up even like a fourth of what we have, like do you, I couldn't even just imagine like how many people would be able to um, like be blessed by that. Um, but then, and it made me even wonder of like, God, like why me? Like, why am I here? Why was I born here? And not over there. Like yeah. why them? And like both times God just brought me um, to a place of like that I don't need to know. Um, yet I can be a blessing with the blessings he has given me and that I've seen like the joy, the, um, joy of the Lord (laughs) over there, despite their situations and trust that like he knows what he's doing and trust that, um, what I think like they don't have, like they still have everything they need and I still have everything I need and more. Yeah. So it's a... I'm still walking through though it's hard not to be frustrated I mean I again I haven't taken that trip but I've gotten peeks into that and just like the th- there's two things there's like this outward view like I'm talking about with the rich people they're never happy ah these people don't appreciate anything but then all of a sudden that that mirror just kind of mm. slides in front of you and you're like oh gross you're like ah yeah, that little like just as ugly log in your eye, yeah, kind of thing. But yeah. right. Well, and yeah, it's a great. I mean, where where does actual joy come from? Where does security come from? Where does peace come from? And it's not from things. It's not from circumstances. The, the Bible is overwhelmingly clear <laughs> on that subject. Oh yeah. But we still don't believe it. It's another understanding to living uh, gap, right? Yeah. Well, if you figure that one out, <laughs> write the book. Let me know. Send but it to me. But the book's already written. It's the Bible. Ooh, you just Jesus juked me. Yes, I did. Good job. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's what they call that when you... Jesus juke. When you Jesus what about juke, like a point. Jesus nutmeg? What would that look like? Jesus nutmeg. You know, you go between you know, the, the the soccer ball goes between the legs. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> we, we call that a dunk. I don't know. <laughs> a skunk. <laughs> Jesus nutmegged. That doesn't flow like Jesus juke. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Wait, so you went to Kenya twice? Yes. Okay. And did, were you were you guys successful in finding, like, the partnership aspect of it? Um, I, never, I never heard the resolution for that. I did not hear it either. You don't know? Okay. <laughs> but, I mean, I'm assuming since I, we didn't go back with Resonate that, uh, yeah, maybe Still God looking. was just calling us to somewhere else. You never know. But yeah. I remember one thing, though, like... um. When we first got there, I remember everyone was taking pictures and we actually had passed like the second largest slum um, huh. and like in all of like the world. 
and people were taking pictures of not just that but just things in general and i put my phone away because i was like i just had this moment like this epiphany of like oh wait i know i'm gonna come back here Mm. i didn't know it was gonna be so soon (laughs) but it was just anything knowing like that was like the holy spirit of like hey like absorb it but no like you're coming back here and i definitely left like a good chunk of my heart over there too Mm. so what does a kenyan slum look like it's hard to find a comparison in america to it um but i guess i would say our closest comparison would be a similar idea of what um, people call like homeless encampments, um, but times a thousand where there are like these. Um, oh, gosh. Do you, okay. find, you, you looked it up? I, I just typed in Kenya slum. That's the. <laughs> yeah. It's an awful thing to Google. But uh, yeah, just like. Yeah, lines, just like that. Lines with, of like corrugated metal kind of just yeah. stuck together and just And they trash. don't have a sewage system. Their sewage system is literally the street. Oh, gosh. Um, so it will, unfortunately, for days and days, just reek and be oh. like feces and all that stuff on the floor. Um, there are probably... Something like that, too? Yeah. Just rivers of trash and... Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And there's kids in there. Yep. And literally, the second time I was in Kenya, it literally, I, it took everything within me not to just go back and run to that kid. Oh. Um, but the second time I was in Kenya, we were in um, one of the slums, and he, like, I turned my back, and this kid, like, has a cup, and he goes to, like, where, like, there's a stream of water, but it was very, very dirty water. And he put his cup in it to drink it. And, oh. like, he, like, I got lost, I lost him in the crowd and all that stuff. And we were friends. And, like, like that's the type of stuff that you see Dude. that shouldn't even be a thing. But because of the fallenness, because of the way the world is, those things are reality for them. And is it that they don't know, or they just don't, there's, there's they, no choice? There's no option. Yeah, there's no option. Otherwise, they have to steal, and why? you don't want kids to steal. But there also is a lot of hope there, too, I'll say. The church that we, we um, went to, it was incredible. They worshiped for a, gr- a straight three hours, like, no joke. That was really hard <laughs> for me to come back and be like, resonate. Three services. Why not just combine them to one? <laughs> <laughs> well, then we have it all timed out by the minute, yeah, and we no, get, we do are... our three songs, and you say something, and then we do another song. No, no knock to the American church yeah. format, but no, yeah, it's definitely different. not. It's very different. It's very different, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but still, and they also have like um, the government. Although there is a lot of, like, corruption, um, the government does provide, like, free aid for people with HIV and AIDS. Mm. And they have, like, clinics in the slums and stuff. So, you know, God's there. And it just looks a little differently. Yeah. 
Gosh, yeah, I've I've never actually seen like images of that. I've, I've never looked for it. That's amazing. Yeah, that was one thing I I took away. My mom helped me realize it too, and um, that like some people like I can't always be mad at people for um, I guess you would say like their ignorance because it's yeah. they don't know. Like they didn't you didn't go they didn't go. So I can't be mad at them when they don't understand like right. where I'm coming from. Right. So for anyone listening, you should go to Kenya and then you'll know. <laughs> well, I'll go with you. I mean, start by just Googling what I just did. Kenya yeah. slum. I mean, I, I can't, I can't believe this is a real place on earth. Like yeah. it's hard to, I mean, just the, they're just surviving. Not even. They're not really surviving. They're alive for now. Yeah. Wow. I think the yeah, the, the closest comparison that I could say, like even today, I was I was driving uh at work through Oakland. And through just a, a there's a few neighborhoods on the on the southern end of Oakland. It's very industrial. There's not much residential stuff. And almost the the entire population down there is homeless people and just every single street every alleyway every overpass all under the like the where the bart trains go through there it's just endless lines of tents and uh busted up motorhomes and and burnt cars and and i i haven't been up there in a while and i was just like holy like where am i is this this is seriously 30 minutes from where I live. Yeah. And we have some of that in Newark and little pockets of it. But up there, I was I was blown away. I mean, it's nothing to the scale of like Kenya. Okay. Yeah. This is thousands of times more intense. But even then, I was like, dude, this is this is different. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, and, I don't, and you know it's not supposed to be that way. Something in you knows. Yeah. I, I just You just don't know where to put that. And I could imagine coming back from from there just like where do you where do you put that in your heart in your mind in your life here like uh, who am i in light of knowing that there's a movie i think you would enjoy there's a lot of bad words in it <laughs> but it's okay it's called uh, shotgun preacher shotgun preacher shotgun preacher and it's about a fellow who owns a construction company and he does one of these sort of lightweight you know christian mission you know to go make friends with people <laughs> and, and i forget what country uganda i think one of those uh and while he's there he breaks off from the group because he's like i want to see what's really going on like they're keeping us in the safe area i want to see what and he, and he goes and he sees uh what they call i think the the lost children hmm. and it's hundreds of kids that their parents have died for whatever reason and war and disease and all that. And so they're all like hundreds of homeless kids and he comes back just destroyed. And so he sells his whole business, like liquidates everything, moves there, builds an orphanage. <laughs> and he's called a shotgun preacher because he had to defend it from warlords. Hmm. Uh, and he's still over there, if I remember right, I think. It was a while ago. Anyway, they made a movie about the guy. But it, it highlights that, like, you you can't see that and have it not affect you. You either have to ignore it or you got to find out, like, what do I do with this? Yeah. Yeah. 
No, it's kind of like a a burden of am I supposed to carry this or not? And more than ninety percent of the time with that question and that area, it's yes, but with Jesus. Um, sometimes it's no. Sometimes it's hey, just yeah. I just want you to keep praying for it. But he moves when he when you see something, he'll call you to action. It just looks differently. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the question. What do we do? What can we do? No, it makes you realize how uh, powerless you can be sometimes, which is really humbling, but it also breaks your heart and you're like, Jesus, but he's like, it's okay. Yeah. I I got this. There's, for example, there's the shotgun preacher (laughs) all the way over there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That... That was one movie I, I admittedly cried ugly. I was watching that thing. That doesn't happen often. I'm Dang. usually I, I wish I was there. I can keep it under control. No, you don't want to see it. It's it's just <laughs> ugly. It's a disaster. Boogers coming out. Oh no. It's not good. I was sitting right there. Yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> Wow. That's awesome. So um I'd love to get into some of your thoughts as far as this this table thing you're talking about. You don't have to get into like what your ideas yeah. to what what you're gonna do, but I'm so here I'll set this up. So I am a 38 year old white guy. <laughs> in case everyone didn't know, Wait, really? <laughs> yes, I am. Uh, and I, I've been born and raised in the Bay Area. And, you know, as we just discussed, my my perspective on things is from that angle. You know, growing up in San Carlos, where there's zero crime. <laughs> Nothing ever goes wrong. Everyone's happy. The sun is shining. There's butterflies everywhere. It's great. <laughs> um, so I really have no, again, I have nowhere to plug in the subject of, like, injustice or... Uh, you know, when I was growing up, when I was a kid, the way it was presented to me is that we beat racism. <laughs> <laughs> it's over. Joke's on you. <laughs> good, good job, America. Like, cool. I was like, wow, that must have sucked back then. I'm glad we're not like that now. You know, so I was, I thought that was it, you know, and then I'm, I'm becoming aware, you know, as I grew up and grew older, it's like, okay, it's maybe not so much. Um, but I still, I, I don't have a whole lot of really good perspective on it beyond my own, which is incomplete. I think everybody's is yeah. ultimately incomplete, but okay. So that said, I want to hear your, your take on these things. Your like your experience being you and, and also just kind of your thoughts in general about how all this is. I'm so curious. I've heard you speak. <laughs> little bits i want to hear more yeah um i think growing up in being mixed but also living in the bay area um i was very blessed i was my a lot of my issues um a lot of like the prejudice that i experienced (coughs) um revolved around like my beauty and um because I would hear like those things, some like in high school people be like, oh, like 
you're light-skinned, so you're, like, you're the prettier version of black people. And I was like, what? Like, <laughs> okay. Um, or even just, like, growing up, seeing in the media of how all the princesses are white. And, <laughs> yeah, there's Pocahontas, but let's be real, she's not really a princess. They just put her as a princess <laughs> to give them, like, some rep, okay? Okay. Um, and they also did not p- portray that um, story very well, accurately, okay? True. Um, <laughs> which, plot twist, I'm also part Native American, so, yeah. Really? Yeah. What? I'm half white and um, majority... Like forty five or so percent black, a little bit more than that, and then part Native American. My great grandma cool. was part Native American. Cool. Yeah, that's fun. So, part Cherokee, pretty cool. It's not but enough to get any like. No, benefits. you have to be. You have to be active, which makes sense. You okay. have to be an active member, and it should be that way. Other okay. people, otherwise, people take advantage. That's true. Um, but yeah, so like. For, like, Halloween and stuff, I'd be like, oh, like, I can't be any of those princesses. Like, I'd look at my skin color and be like, this doesn't match. Like, uh, and I kind of, like, um, huh. yeah. And, like, just things like that. Um, I can go into more detail if you want. Go. But the- <laughs> it's, your, it's your show. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. When I would just, like, either it be from, like, my friends. A lot of, like, the one thing good thing about Fremont is, like, yeah, like there's diversity with like right. um, Filipino, um, with Chinese, Japanese, um, also like Afghan and um, even my like Hispanic friends. And I had a couple of like black friends, but not too many. And then, you know, the rest white. Right. Um, and I hated my hair because it didn't look like my friends. Um, and like you, I, I guess you can argue part of that is like that comparison, like of wanting to like be like your friends, but... Yeah. When the more like I analyzed it, the more I realized like part of it was rooted in like, okay, like what friends am I jealous of? It's my white friends. Why is that? Because America praises them. Right. Um, and so like I would always have my hair back. Um, and when I would straighten my hair, people would give me far more compliments than my hair being curly. So I hated it. I was like, uh-huh. why would I? You know, like I should always just straighten my hair. Then like that's how people will see me. And um, the more like. I looked into it, the more I realized a lot of, like, my insecurities were because I was, I was like, well, I can't be white, so at least I'm tall, so then I have to remain (sighs) skinny, like, so, (sighs) and then, like, maybe I'll straighten my hair because, like, that's how, like, white girls, like, look, and so I even, like, got to the point where I had, like, these blotches on my face, um, like, during the winter, and... Um, instead of wanting to find makeup that would, like, um, cover up, like, the blotches, like, I wanted makeup that would match those blotches because they were lighter. Mm. Um, and so it was, like, these unconscious things that I didn't really, like, know where it was fully coming from sometimes. A lot of times, like, I would recognize it, but I would just brush it off of, like, well, it's kind of like this, um, a way of wanting to protect yourself of getting as close to what the majority um of people because mm. not the majority of the the world which is kind of funny um but what a, a western yeah. culture yeah western like, culture yeah um looks like so yeah Europe, like stuff European like that american yeah 
Yeah. And I would get like those looks here and there, but it was more like my mom that would get like looks more in the grocery store sometimes, not all the times because Bear is pretty not outwardly racist sometimes. Um, but even just like when um, my brother, when all the like police brutality and stuff like started to come up, not just this year because it's always been a thing. Um, would come up and my brother started to like drive like part of me would be like scared of like well what if he gets pulled over like he does look more black than like me Mm. um or even like my cousins like knowing like (coughs) they lived in Oakland for a really long time and so um I would just see like like why is it that we like have a better life and part of it is like God just has blessed us in that way Mm. but another part of it was knowing like looking back on it is knowing because the way the system is set up um the way oakland is set up and it's getting better a little bit but it's also the whole gentrification don't get me into that because i can go whole thing um but well i, I kind of want to <laughs> i don't you, you have to you have okay. to understand i <laughs> i need to take my jacket off i'm gonna hate it <laughs> okay i understand all of the terms you're using yeah that's I, good I've, I've grown up around it you can't be me and not i, I the fact that there's people who've lived around here and have become grown-ups and have never, oh, I never even thought about it. Like, where, where the heck have you been? Like, this is a, it's not a new thing. It's not, yeah. like, it wasn't last year when people, oh, what the heck? <laughs> um, so we'll get to the gentrified thing. I'm, I'm curious about your thoughts on that. Um, this, okay, gosh, there's so much here. <laughs> the, um, <laughs> the system. Okay, further back from that, we'll get to the system. <laughs> back from that, okay. So for you, uh, so you're you're kind of saying that you you might not have experienced a lot of direct, like face to face, like you this, you that, yeah. Like you're not you're like not not so much of that, but there's this like implied a lot of microaggressions. It's it's a like a theme, yeah. That says you're you should be this and if you're not that you're not good enough and the further from this you are the worse you are and then so now you're looking at yourself you're like gosh i'm much further from that than this girl or that girl or these people therefore i am not whatever good enough yep ah okay i think i get it that sucks yeah so like how have you dealt with that um for a long time i didn't (laughs) i kind of carried a lot of shame around all of that and other things like that happened like i got bullied a lot um and i would carry that shame and think like oh like because these things have happened to me like and those lies like were, were said to me and at times like i know there are lies but other times i'd be like no like this is the truth because i've heard it so much right um and then i got into college and um last year i met um my mentor um anna kang and (laughs) shout out to anna kang shout out to anna kang (laughs) um she i literally walk in the door 
and it, the way that this happened was like i just got connected to this guy like I, I had just like met at this bible study and he was like are you like have you been looking for a mentor i'm like wait where did you come from because yes um and i walked in <laughs> and i sat down and we started talking and by the like kind of like towards the end like she's like madison like i want you to know like when you walked in here like I could like see the shame that you were carrying. And I'm like, how does she know? (laughs) (laughs) And we went through like this whole process um, of where it came from and realized like a lot of it was rooted in not feeling like I was enough because I wasn't white because I wasn't pretty enough. Mm. Um, And not all of it was rooted in that racial prejudice. Um, but a, a good chunk of it was yeah it's and, your yeah it's it's where you are yeah yeah and um kind of just instead of recognizing that their lies instead of um she was like we need to like replace them and so i'd start to like replace them with the truth like uh. um and i've very much have kind of have come to the conclusion of like hey like like madison like like I would hear God say it a lot and I started to say it to myself finally and was like, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, I'm made in the image of God and like he, he, every time that something that shouldn't have happened to me happened, um, like God mourned over that and he was like, uh-huh. he, was, he was, knew he was going to redeem it one day and just over a process of probably a good like three months, um yeah jesus redeemed all of that um i don't even know how to explain it like it literally was <laughs> a miracle <laughs> um yeah. but yeah just really re-seeing myself the way he sees me and you know i can't oh i won't mm. ever be able to fully see myself the way he sees me um but i can at least get as close as i can to that <laughs> how do you think he sees you i think he see when he looks at me he smiles and that he's proud of like who he's made me to be mm. and he sees me as his daughter and that nothing will ever change that nothing <laughs> that's done to me nothing that i do yes um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yeah so you're in a much better place than with it i'm sure it's not gone yeah of course yeah. I had similar feelings about like everyone in movies has like six pack. <laughs> and I'm <laughs> Yeah. I'm fat and ugly. Whatever. Anyway. Um so that's more like your how you've dealt with it within yourself. And I think that's that's a super healthy message. I, I think Yeah, if if you could put that in a bottle (laughs) just hand it out um but now then i want to get back to this system thing (laughs) um what i've heard so many people try to explain to me what this system systemic Mm -hmm. means and i I still don't get it and i I don't know if it's because i'm dumb or stubborn or dense i don't know what it is but if you could take a shot for my sake and for whoever's listening like yeah when people talk about racism in a system 
what do they mean and and what does that look like like practically from your experience yeah i think first (laughs) when you say like that you haven't been able to get it what brings to mind is like part of like how the like i say like the system like works is that um people's favorite word white privilege um (laughs) yeah (laughs) um with that part of like privilege is not having to deal with some of the really like emotional um heavy things coming from the system and so like when like part of you i don't know if you ever understand it and it's okay if you don't but part of the reason why you might not understand it is because you of the color of your skin you haven't had to um live that part of you can't walk in our shoes and i Mm. can't walk in your shoes like there's other things that you know right um but the way that it's like the kenya thing i don't have anywhere (laughs) i don't have anywhere to put it right but i'm Um, i'm trying to i'm trying to clear out a spot to put it yeah help me get there no yeah definitely (laughs) i think part of when like the way that i learned about the system um is that it's not just like how like our government is run like all this stuff um it's something um bigger than that that it's it's and honestly like for me like the root of like the brokenness of the system is sin um and so it's all these things have been piled up um from building the country on all this freedom but then Mm. turning your backs and taking someone else's freedom um and then perpetuating over 400 years of slavery because you see them as less than because just because of the color of your skin and you can get away with it that type of stuff um and then going on to like once it's gone and you, but you haven't really dealt with it it stays in the system of how the country runs things how things come out like right um and so like there you have like jim crow laws and that yeah. and the prison system like the prison system is modern day slavery um That's, when I'm you right. really think about it i'll write that one down <laughs> yes. yeah um and i think i believe like the statistics are like one in nine um for black men like white man to like black man of like who's going to be like in prison like it's really high for a black man to end up in prison um and why is that because the way that the system is set up the way that um people people's hearts who were blind Mm. to like seeing people through the image of god thought they could take advantage and push people into um these places like for example the read like oakland when you look at oakland you see like how people say like the ghettos yeah like that was created by the system yeah um i feel like i'm like there how how do you really explain the system other than um yeah just like (laughs) taking in like always making sure that there's a certain people like on top Mm. and yeah i guess and I, I mean, I'm still learning too. So it's, mm. it's like there's no, I don't think there's any perfect way to describe. 
the system because it's not just like based on fact like it's not just a fact like it's based on so many facts yeah well and it's human society is complicated yeah <laughs> very complicated um so here's a thought and I'll, I'll start saying things and you pause me at any point yeah like there's just like things in my mind because I think I think one one thing that doesn't seem really clearly defined a lot of times is exactly what people mean when they say the word racism because mm-hmm. I think if, if you were to bump into the average person especially around here and ask them are you racist <laughs> they would all say no <laughs> I no I'm not I mean if you were to ask me like capital R racist like do I run around with a with a hood on and burning things and you know calling people names and and do i make decisions in in jobs based on like yeah no like in the the classical definition of it no you know and uh but then there's the like the the more subconscious side of it uh you know as it's been explained to me it's the like the 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 immediate like judgments evaluations assumptions that you you make either consciously or sub that are that are just kind of there, that actually do influence how you behave, how you interact, how you talk to, how much eye contact you make, those kind of more subtle bubblings. Mm-hmm. And what I'm what I'm trying to figure out is how much of this the system thing is based on legit racism versus that subconscious thing and I, I don't I don't actually know I, I would assume there's elements of both yeah because I wouldn't say like that that I'm directly contributing to some organizational issue I think there's things that were set up by people who are legitimately racist and I'd imagine they're still there and I think some decisions are made in that light you know why? Why is it that some school districts get money and others don't? Yeah. What's going on there? Like really, you know, Mister Politician. <laughs> you know what? What? What's going on? Why? Why is there the areas that I drove through? Why is there potholes everywhere? Why are these streets clean and those ones not? It's the same city, same budget. I, you know, I know how those things work. Like someone's deciding we're going to take care of this area and we're going to neglect that one. Yeah. We're going to give money here. We're going to avoid it there. Like, we're going to give better, any category of, like, quality of life you can think of, right? Somebody's deciding how to distribute that, and it's not even. And it just makes it makes me just ask the question, like, what's going on? Yeah. Like, who, who's making these decisions? I think, like, the way you put it is really nice of, um, like, is it both? And I think the way that... It is both in the sense that the way that um, the system system has been set up, um, and yes, there are people, there are white brothers and sisters that are struggling um, to live on that day to day. It's a fact. Yeah. But the overwhelming number of 
people of color that are struggling to live from day to day because of where they have been placed and the options that have been laid out in front of them right um is like staggering but um in the same sense of it made me think like the system the reason why it's a little bit of both is because like the system like creates this environment um and conditions you to see things the way that it like people have created you to see it so like when you see like that you're like oh like why most people like if they haven't really had those like heart-to-heart moments of like oh like wow like there's something wrong with this world like they'll look at like a street and they won't notice the difference between the other one of like why is it like this street and like that street is totally like dirty um and notice like make those observations that a lot of like people of color are living over there yeah like that's part of like how the system can condition like someone to not see the issues yeah to not see and so it's like it is that per- it's both like a um a bigger picture thing with like um that's deep rooted in so many traumatic events um by so many other people's choices and sin but it's also like hey you're gonna wake up and see this mm. and what are you gonna do about it and mm. by saying like what are you gonna do about it it doesn't just mean like oh i need to like go and like vote and do this like that's very important um but it's like where's your heart at and even when people say like oh like are you racist that question <laughs> i think a lot of people are like racially prejudiced but just like say you're racist is racist to literally believe like that you um because of the color of your skin like you are superior to a whole different race yeah. and want to oppress them like that right and so it's like old school yeah rather <laughs> than racially prejudiced of you're just starting to really you're seeing someone differently right. and making these stereotypes and assumptions about them because of the color of skin. Mm. But it's not a, like, maybe it's like one area of your life, but it's not consuming every single angle and like how you perceive the world. Just kind of like, uh, going back to the street, seeing that street, you know, someone can be like, Oh, that's the ghetto. Yeah. And then carry on. Versus like, why is there a ghetto? (laughs) (laughs) What's going on here? Hang on a second. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's like I said, I I grew up over there. You know, I don't don't know what the (laughs) the ethnic breakdown is, but I I can take a guess. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, you have no perspective. No perspective at all. Yeah. No, yeah. I think I'm, I'm gaining more of one. <laughs> um, okay, the gentrify. Let's talk about <laughs> that. Gentrification. Go, get them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I. <laughs> so we're within the system now. We're we're still in the system yes. umbrella, and I'm trying to like pick on a couple, the gentrify the prison system. Maybe, yeah. and I'd, I'd love to talk about a little bit like the war on drugs. I don't know what oh. thoughts you have there, but I, oh. I, think, I think those are some big, <laughs> those are big building blocks that I, I'm very, I have strong opinions on a couple of those. So I but. mean, yeah, I, I, 
Let's dig into dig it. In. Do it. This is your, it's your um, show. I'm, am I, do you even want to talk about all this? Am I just badgering you about all these things? I'm just, no, I okay. do want to talk about it because it also like slightly takes um, the pressure off of talking about myself. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> anyway. Do it. Um, gentrification. Yeah. When I um, like it's something that you see, but then you don't actually know like the name of it and so you don't really think it's a problem type of thing okay and so when i was in college well i'm still in college but back when you were young yeah back in the 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 good old days (laughs) um i was back in azusa actually this is where like i actually learned what gentrification is Mm. and i was with like my nursing instructor and she was just pissed that day and i was like what is going on and she started talking about like she was like because we this was my semester where we our rotation was working with um the geriatrics geriatrics so like elderly um people senior citizens and we were right next to a senior center and she was like do you know that so many of these people are homeless and i was like what like these seniors like they're what (laughs) and she was like yeah you want to know why and I was like, okay. She's like, if you look back there, because literally we go out the, if you go out the door of like where our building was, you would see all these like nice houses and stuff like that. She was like, that's why. And I was like, okay. She was like, that is gentrification because they used to live there, hmm. but the city wanted to make, you know, make the city look great and like right. bring in more people. But by bringing in more people, the way that they did it is they pushed out the ones who already lived there. So instead of restoring um what's broken like with Mm. oakland they're starting to like do that over there um and instead of like restoring like those um and not to say like oakland isn't doing like a good job in some areas but they're starting to like build on places and pushing people out um so that people who bring in more money who people who look a little bit more different they're like oh like we want to bring in diversity we'll come in but they're putting people either on the streets or living back like with their um their in-laws or having to move into these really small apartments because it's all they can afford yeah um and so Hmm. yeah gentrification is kind of the same concept of what america did with slavery of putting a band-aid on it rather than actually Hmm. dealing with it um and then it just becomes worse because people are displaced people are traumatized from this yeah. type of stuff just to um bring in a more of a like the wants the consumeristic side of america when i was a teenager we always heard about east palo alto <laughs> and it was, at one point i think it it held some kind of record per square mile for shootings or something like that really rough mm-hmm. um and that's that's the first time i heard that term because I think the first thing that was built over there was like they built an IKEA. Oh, good old IKEA! Right off of uh, right <laughs> I know off exactly of, what you're talking. That's about. the one right off of University Avenue at 101, kind of that corner. Mm-hmm. They built an IKEA, um, and then there was several tracks of homes that went in there, um, and they always they talked about how the the property values started going up, and how. Basically, as people age out of an area, mm-hmm. you know, like if if, uh, if my parents die and I get their house, a lot of times the new property value is what I get taxed on. 
So what was like, what, 500 bucks a year in 1980 becomes a couple thousand, $3,000 or something like that. I don't know. I'm making those numbers up. But, <laughs> but like I wouldn't be able to afford to live in my parents' house. Like I, I'm, I got gentrified out of yeah. San Carlos of all, but <laughs> I guess, but, um, but then the question is, okay, so if they can't live there, where do you go? You go somewhere else. Okay. Go to Oakland. And that's what I heard is people transplanted a lot from East Palo Alto to Oakland because the, the, you could live there. Mm. Um, and as that happens there, it, it doesn't solve a problem. Yeah. And it seems to me like if that goes on long enough you end up with one section of people who have everything and another section who have nothing so you're going to have million dollar homes and then down the street you're going to have a uh uh what uh would you call it in the kenya um slums the slum yeah and that's what we're seeing that's what i saw today is a literal beginnings of a slum yeah not on that scale, but what I don't see anything <laughs> putting the brakes on that, and that's what like really worries me as I yeah. see it because I I'm old enough to remember when seeing a homeless person was a weird thing, like you just don't oh my gosh that guy's homeless he lives there <gasps> it's like this shocking thing and even I'm becoming blind to it now you drive yeah. on the road you see tents lined up for miles motorhomes everywhere and it's like this is. It's not stopping. We're not changing this. Yeah, and even that, like, is part of, like, the gentrification, like, in East Palo Alto. Like, I remember it was in the news, and I was talking to my parents about it, but they literally were, like, um, the people living in East Palo Alto at the time, um, and still are, Yeah, the rich, rich people were getting really, like, sick of it, and so they would... They literally, like, were starting, like, petitions, having town hall meetings to get the place to push out the people who were experiencing homelessness. Right. Rather than maybe building them a shelter or something like that. Just, like, no, you're off to your own devices. Like, right. that's, I think, yeah, when you sum summing up gentrification is, like, you're leaving people off to their own devices um, for the benefit, like, of people who can afford literally just afford not to live there like they don't need to live there right um but yeah prison system so i'm i'm very much aware of the disparity in that world uh on on one end of it you and, and this i think the war on drugs comes into this mm -hmm. and and it's it again I guess we should talk about it first. But it, it seems to me as though it's kind of set up. <laughs> like, where do the drugs come from? Yeah. How do they get into what neighborhoods? And then we turn around and arrest the people who use them without ever addressing the, the source. Yeah. Like, how is, how is that? And then you hear, you know, undercover secret, you know, news reports about, like, you know, corrupt FBI, corrupt DEA, corrupt ATF, who are in on, like, literally transporting these things into Oakland. Like, 
right up 880 right here that happens and then we turn around and we arrest the guys using them yeah throw them in prison in huge numbers that kind of takes me off i don't like it i mean i'm (laughs) glad it takes you off because it's not right (laughs) um yeah anyway you're go ahead yeah say things um (laughs) i remember i was watching a documentary i believe it wasn't the 13th but um anyone out there should watch the 13th it is a very good um documentary on the prison system and how it is modern day slavery yes um but i was watching a documentary like a like a couple a good number of years ago and it was actually like kind of a conspiracy theory that was lightweight like proven true of just what you said of that um so like the whole like the reason like the ghettos were actually created is because like black people people of color needed a place to live and they were starting to move into like white neighborhoods and they Mm. did not like it they were like we don't want them here and so when um people of color wouldn't leave they started to leave themselves and all these places would end up becoming just underfunded and Yep. Therefore, um, more dangerous and more police supervised, even though it didn't actually need to be police supervised until drugs started to come into play. Right. And there was like this whole like, conspiracy theory of like, the did the government like plant drugs in the ghettos? Like, why isn't it a problem like in other places? And like, yes, like there's like those um, more wealthy families who have kids um, that get addicted to drugs because of like the pressure or um, they have nothing better to do. Right. But, like, you're just, like, you have, like you said, you have to wonder, like, what is the source of all of this? Um, and I think you can see it very plainly when you look at, like, not only statistics of, like, who's um, in the prison system um, and how, like, they got there, but the fact that, like, there was this push for war on drugs mm-hmm. right after, like, you know, drugs really got introduced into like what they call like into the ghettos yep um and then they push it for so long they're like we need to like you know like make like marijuana like illegal like it's it's bad like all this stuff um and people will be getting like sentenced for like 10 years 10 plus years for like these petty crimes the three strikes laws yeah those yeah yes and then all of a sudden this is where like it if you can't like see it you have to see it like now where mm. people are like hey guys like let's legalize marijuana <laughs> <laughs> after all of these people of color are um stuck in prison right because of literally the things that are now like being pushed to be legalized because it's fun because white people like it <laughs> <laughs> um and so like yeah just to see that is like it that's how that's part of like you see the system in there you see how the system flips that um and yeah i don't know i hope there's more exposure on the sources of all that yeah but um when you also just look at like how the prison is set up like people are literally like they're working for slim to none like in in jail in prison um for things that we get paid for like minimum wage and stuff because they've like lost their right um whether it be from like murder <laughs> to 
um, smoking marijuana um, that one Friday night, you know? Right. Um, and then you, it's not even just being in prison that like shows like the prison system is broken. It's getting out of it and how hard it is to get a stable job. And like, if you watch like the central park five, um, Hmm. I couldn't, I didn't even finish it because I was crying so much. (laughs) Um, but one of the guys ended up, so if you don't know the central park five, do you know them about it? Um, so Give me the give me the cliff note. <laughs> Pretty much, these five teenagers, like from twelve to like fifteen, and one of them was sixteen, uh, got falsely accused of mm. raping a woman in Central Park in New York, and yes, like, gosh, oh god, <laughs> right, um, and were like in prison for over like twelve years for something they didn't do and it was very obvious but they planted like evidence and it even came through and just uh, right um and when he one of the guys when he got out he couldn't he couldn't land a stable job because they had all these restrictions because of even though he literally was proven innocent right he still had the record and so then he ended up feeling like his only choice was to sell drugs because that was the only way like people would like he couldn't get a, he couldn't hold a job like right. he couldn't pay for rent because he couldn't hold a job and so then he ended up back in that cycle and then back into the prison system yep and so it's like that's common how, yeah. very common yeah the fact that that's common is just yeah. is heartbreaking of like who gave us the rights to strip someone else's rights away um so yeah I mean, the the incarceration statistics for the US are out outlandish like the the number of people that we have put away for like especially non-violent mm-hmm. i get it if 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 you're somebody who just can't seem to stop like shooting people yeah <laughs> probably best i think yeah we should probably figure out a better spot for you to be than just out and about yeah. i get that but yeah just the the non-violent crimes the the things that the number of things that could be attributed to mental illness mm-hmm. are astounding. And why is there mental illness? Why is it so rampant? Part of that has to do with drugs. Right. You see people stumbling around the streets. Yeah. They're either in prison or they just don't know where they are. Yeah. Uh, and then the other part of it, you know, uh, I've, I've heard a lot of people talk about just the, the destruction of the family unit. Mm-hmm as being a huge contribution yes not just in the in the black community but everywhere it just it's devastating you know imagine imagine being born in a in a neighborhood where drugs are everywhere Mm -hmm. your dad's in prison mom's working two jobs have a welfare like whatever and like the only father figures you know are just like maybe 16 year olds who are in a gang who I haven't, yeah. haven't gotten old enough yet to go to big prison. Like, I, <laughs> you're, you're screwed. I mean, what, what are you going to do? Yeah. What are you going to do? The odds are against you. What are you going to do except what everyone's doing? And, and that's why I, I don't offer a lot of credence to the, you hear people say, like, just, just get out. <laughs> just get up out of the ghetto, you know, hard work, personal responsibility. I'm like, come on, man. How much was I personally responsible for when I was eight? Yeah. Ten years old, twelve years old. That's how old these kids are. They're in gangs, doing work, spray painting overpasses and stuff. They don't know anything. I didn't know anything. I still don't know much, but (laughs) 
as a teenager, yeah, you're set up for failure. Um, gosh. Anyway, more thoughts. But <laughs> I think here's, here's the question I find myself asking a lot is, um, well, let me set it up like this. I, I was given this book, uh, White Fragility. I've heard of it. So have I. <laughs> Haven't read it. Um, <laughs> I found it. I found it both informative in some ways in, in the things that we're kind of talking about, but also super frustrating. Yeah. Because at, at the conclusion of it, I found myself in this spot where, okay, so either I'm a, I'm a racist <laughs> and I accept that, or I, I don't think I'm a racist, but that means I'm ignorant. Mm-hmm. And, and there was, there was no like, like what did so what did I yeah. what do I do? Like let's say okay let's say I get to the point where I'm like oh crap I'm a racist <laughs> I didn't realize this dang it I didn't think I was like Peter <laughs> I totally am you know I'm ten percent twenty twenty five percent racist or something I don't know <laughs> pick it <laughs> let's just say I get there uh, there's still no like what do I do yeah because it seems like a lot of a lot of it is understanding I get that and and having conversations like this I get that. But it seems like a lot of the message is just like, hey, white guy, feel bad. Good luck with that. Mm-hmm. What would you say? Like, what do we do? What's I the mean, what's the solution to this thing? I would say it's incomplete. Hmm. Uh, also that as a Christian, as someone who follows Jesus, that you aren't supposed to shame someone hmm. um, for their sin. And also acknowledging like, Oh, like, hey, like, I'm sinful myself. Like, I realized I had a lot of prejudice growing up towards, um, like, Asians because I was surrounded by them and I was annoyed. I was like, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, they're not that great. Um, or I find myself being like, wow, like, Asians really aren't good drivers. Like, <laughs> those small things, but the more the, like, um, when I actually, like, uh, my, my ex-boyfriend, <laughs> when I dated him, he's Asian. Um <laughs> Preston um shout out to Preston yep Preston right on bro and then I realized I was like wow like something just doesn't sit right and like God showed me was like it's because of this prejudice that you have in your heart of the way that you're seeing them you're not seeing them through me through my lens um and I even talked to him about it um and God just like really healed me of that and rather than like Preston being like dang like maddie like what's wrong with you Mm. he was just like he just sat there with me and um even just spoke out like the truth to me and like that i was a loving person um and focused on that rather than all the negative and um as i like spent time with like god i like realized i was like why do i see them this way it's like because i want to believe like i'm not the worst like i'm not the worst minority like Hmm. that type of stuff right (laughs) um But in the same way, like, with um, what you said, it's, like, what's next is taking it day by day um, and continually asking. And you you should do this with every single, like, every every single sin that, like, becomes of awareness to you is, like, when you repent, when 
you ask like Jesus, you tell Jesus like, hey, like I'm sorry that I didn't see yeah. your daughter, your son, the way that you made them. That I saw the color of their skin before I saw the fact that they are a daughter and a son of you, mm. um, and asking him as much as you can remember in prayer, like, will you examine my heart? Will you bring up to me what um, the nasty things that are just like kind of like thorns on my heart, you know, and mm. letting him bring that up and like awareness is really like self-awareness is really important. Um, I'm like what I was working at Bonchon and I still do you. Um, <laughs> there was this guy. <laughs> I love that place. <laughs> so good, dude. Mm. I mean, just text me and I'll give you my free meal. Um Bro. <laughs> it's dangerous but <laughs> when i this guy came in this person um he was a black guy and he was sagging and for a split second i like got scared and i was like wait what and i realized like i was believing a stereotype a lie that like mm. i've been told by media that like i've seen in the movies like and all that stuff and so it was like recognizing like there will be like when you ask like God to examine your heart, like he will bring those things to mind. Hmm. And it's like it's whether to choose not like, oh, like I'm I'm racist. Like, well, that's that. It's like hmm. I'm I have my heart is like full of this, this sin um, and this nasty like just judgment. Um, and when I catch myself in those acts, am I going to like give in to that? Or am I going to say, like, no, like, this mm. is the truth of who he is and, like, repent of that, <laughs> mm. too. Um, but then also going along with friends and talking to them about it um, and even, like, examining, like, your friendships of, like, not that it's a bad thing to have, like, a lot of Asian friends or a lot of white friends or a lot of black friends, but, like, is there something else, like, in there, like, examining different parts of, like, your life and why it is that way um and letting god like root that out in you because i think as much as it is like you can do all the research you can read all the books you can vote um to like to help with like all that um to for a better system but at the end of the day like what god really cares about like because i think how i've seen it is like society is like you have to do something you have to be active like mm. it has to be an outward thing but since when and you see it through the bible has god really truly cared about the outward like actions mm. he's like no i care about your heart like with peter and acts like i believe it's acts seven and eight um i might be wrong but it's somewhere in acts where peter it's is close. like <laughs> uh, he's being he literally is being racist to gentiles um, and God changes his heart. He's like, Peter, like, I literally went, like, Jesus literally went to Samaria out of his way to associate with people that are not, like, his skin color. And, like, in the same mm -hmm. way, like, even modern day, like, we can go, like, out of our way to show associate with people that we don't usually associate with. Yeah. And treat them with the same respect and the same um love that like jesus calls us to love our our family and our our friends like they are our neighbors it's not a us versus them um but yeah just like continuing like being patient with the process too because i think a lot of people like you get anxious you're like okay like i know all this stuff but i want to do something but it's like god's like there's still some like some messed up 
ideologies, mm. some messed up like yeah. stuff that's in your heart. And then like one of the ways of expanding the kingdom, one of the main ways of expanding the kingdom is just through a transformed heart and letting other people see it. Um, and just really being that light in that way. So, yeah, I just, I think it really just starts at the heart and really that's what matters and everything else will flow from it. That is perfect. (laughs) Honestly, that's like, yeah, that's it. Because the the human heart is wicked. Yeah. And deceitful above all things. I'm sorry, she has a croissant. Yeah, the dog eats croissants. It's cool. <laughs> Good girl. They, like the human heart is desperately wicked. Yeah. And and the only thing that can turn that is is the gospel is Christ. Yeah. So if we want people to see each other as precious sons and daughters of the King, it starts with me. Believing that they're precious sons and daughters of the king. Yeah. And it's a really hard thing to do sometimes. It is. And it's especially when, like, at least for where myself, I found myself being like, why can't I, I, Jesus, I asked you to help me see them the way you see them. Right. And he's like, but do you see yourself the way I see you? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Right. <laughs> yes. And once you start to see yourself made in his image, you're like, oh, like, I'm, I see that in him. Like, I see oh, I see, like, the gentleness of you, Jesus, in him. Mm. Or, like, I see, like, your joy in her, like, and that type of stuff. And, like, the way that, like, I've, like, oh, like, like, Brianna, for example, she's very, Brianna McLoy, love you. Shout out um, to Brianna <laughs> She's very creative in the sense of, like, with, um, what's the word? Like, I want to say digital arts, design. Okay? Digital media. Yes, that. Design. And, yes. like. It's very good. That's the like being made in the image of God. She's literally being representing what like the invisible God looks like in that way of mm. being able to create stuff for people to enjoy, um, and like for His glory, like that type of stuff. So, yeah, I don't know. I think yeah, God will call you to action. He'll call you to do things. I mean, yeah, <laughs> He may or may not. He He's called me to some things, but. <laughs> It, he's not gonna bring you to something when you're not ready for it. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I'm okay. Okay. First of all, anyone who says that Martin Luther King Jr. is overrated, come talk to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> and read his. You you all should like seriously forget all the. Don't forget them. Um, but if there's any. Any book that you guys should read and that you should read, it's Strength to Love. It's um, mm. a whole, like, like 13 of his, like, sermons. I have that. Yeah. I love it. I, <laughs> you I've know. Read, I've read it. Yeah. The guy was, he was epic, like, truth bomb, mic, yeah. mic drop level preacher. And the only reason he was able <clears throat> to be able to, like, he was such an influence and, like, literally a, a movement like mm. creator is because of where his heart was at and that probably took a really really long time yeah yeah that's perfect because it's it's what you're talking about is the it's the redemptive process mm. that happens within us that leads us to go into the world and make disciples yeah and that, that's 
Because when you think about, okay, now going back up the tree, <laughs> the system, this, this makes a lot of sense now. I think I'm getting it because systems are made up of parts mm. and individuals. So if you want to fix a system, it, it's not going to come from like some new law, right? It's going to be from me as a person talking to you as a person and then us talking to someone else. Yeah. <laughs> Sharing the, this message with them. And then pretty soon you have a whole bunch of people. And then before you know it, the system changes from within. Yeah. That's beautiful. No, I got this. I have this image when you were talking about this, the system just now of like the system is this tree and there's fruit. There's hanging. There's good fruit. Um, but plot twist. There are <laughs> um, these stairs and only certain people get to lift them. And at mm-hmm. this moment in time, it's white people. They get to go up the stairs and then you have your um, black brothers and sisters, your Filipino, other people of color um, that some of them have like a little bit more of a step than others, but you can see like they can't reach it all the way. Like it's hard for them to reach. They have to jump. They have to like really like train for it to be able to jump and reach that fruit while like the white person can just literally just step up and get it. Um, But when it comes to like the heart change, it's... um, that's where justice comes in where people like the white person looks down and sees like oh like why is he down there like that's not fair and instead of like um staying up there he goes down and invites him up with him Hmm. and like you get to go on the step together and reach that um and like it it's easier said than done but it's like a fight worth fighting right there was a uh Three years ago or so, I went to a conference in Reno, and there was a preacher, and he was he was sort of talking about that, and and it, the phrase has has echoed since I've heard it, but it's to say like like, listen, white people, <laughs> we don't want you to forsake your privilege. Yeah, we want you to leverage it to to take that step. You know, so couple that with like believe that. These are precious sons and daughters of the king. And you have an advantage. You have a tool. You have a a privilege. So go use it. (laughs) Like this is widows and orphans we're talking about. This is the call Mm. of Christ to go to the broken, the forgotten, the neglected, the diseased, the the outsider that's overlooked and forgotten that people just have a a blinder to. There's the ghetto. Next. Ah, okay. My brain's doing all kinds of things right now. This yeah. is this is great. <laughs> wow. Um, let's get back to you. <laughs> You're back in the hot seat. Um, I'm really really interested to hear about like what what kind of God is teaching you mm-hmm. right now. Because it seems like every time I talk to you, you have this like little flurry of like <laughs> God taught me this and he's having that and he's having this and I'm just like whoa okay so I'm, I'm interested to know like what beyond what we've already we, we already talked about some of the beginning but give me yeah. like where where are you at right now what's he what's he working on with you yeah I think continually he's working on um he's really being patient with me as he teaches me how to not be not feel like I'm selfish if I love myself. 
Mm. Um, like that, it doesn't have to mean that I'm I'm prideful if I love how God made me. Um, yeah. I think. Huh. <laughs> yeah. What does that look like? Um, it looks like me every, every day, or at least almost every day, looking into the mirror, or um, just when I'm like reading my Bible and declaring over myself that I am fearfully and wonderfully made, that um, I can be confident and that I am perfectly and fully loved. Hmm. Yeah. It's true. It's true. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. So if you, I love this question. It's one of my favorite questions. So go back in time and pretend that like the eight or nine year old Madison yes. is sitting over here. Like what, what do you wish somebody had, had like come and told you? Cause that my genuine prayer is that somehow that girl is listening right now. Somebody said, you got to hear this. Mm-hmm. Listen, honey. Listen to this girl. I don't know who this is, but she has a message. For you. Like, talk to yourself. Like, what do you wish you knew? Yeah, um, I was thinking about this question earlier, um, and the first thing that came to mind, which uh, definitely the Holy Spirit, was like every time I would I would say to myself every time that you either heard a lie or put down just something that didn't rub you the right way. Instead of um, acknowledging like, oh, yeah, like it's a lie. Like that's not true. Replace it with the truth because it's something I never did. I didn't I didn't know. Um, Yeah, just replace it with the truth of like who God says you are and just the truth of Jesus. Um, Because recognizing something is a lie is only half the battle. Because it's like you have this open wound and then you're like, oh, it's a wound, but then you don't treat it. (laughs) Right. So, yeah, I would tell her to treat the wound. Like, Treat the wound. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I would tell the 10-year-old version of myself to stop eating. (laughs) (laughs) Stop it. You don't need that. Gosh. Sorry, totally derail the heartfelt moment. <laughs> That's kind of true, though. I mean, no. you know, um, need versus want. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what do you think is next for you? What's next? So you have this this mystery semester time. You're you're here. Like, what what is what do you think is what do you think is happening? I. Honestly, whatever is next for me is going to be the best thing for me. Um, yeah, Don't so Jesus juke your way out of this question. <laughs> I want to. <laughs> um, I think that I know that God is gone, calling me into a place um, of really falling through with like a dream that he's given me um, and doing that with Resonate was a whole table thing. Yeah. Um, and really just taking me into a place of like, he's like, okay, like I've equipped you. Now it's ready to go do that thing I equipped you for. Mm. Um, and seeing where God takes me with that, um, 
and allowing him to just really yeah shape my heart in that um and then also i think going back to apu just yeah living like an unashamed Mm. life living an unashamed faith of who like god has created me to be and sharing that with people yeah um because that was one thing i really struggled with growing up was like sharing jesus with other people i was like it's okay jesus you you do that or like (laughs) brianna's really good at evangelism right i on the other hand i'm like "Ah, no like i know what you mean i pray for you yeah um but yeah just stepping into those uncomfortable spaces um no matter what the outcome is and like doing it all for the glory of god um Hmm. yeah and hopefully getting a car (laughs) yes a jeep a killer jeep yes can you can you drive a manual no remember you're gonna teach me oh that's right yeah yeah Yeah. okay once i get the new stickers yes you can learn the jeep is the easiest stick to learn to drive sick you can be rough with it you cannot hurt it (laughs) believe me you can't i've tried yeah Hmm. i could picture you in like a like a yellow jeep like a like a bright yellow or mustard yeah. yellow no like bright like in your face yellow. oh no yeah i hate is that see when i think of bright yellow i think of neon and neon is disgusting no like like this kind of yellow like just like a five-year-old kid says yellow yellow that yeah. would look awesome yeah. Yeah. put a little subwoofer, i do like yellow subwoofer in the back take the roof off just let it go <laughs> go crazy It'd be great. Right on. Well, hey, is there anything else on your mind that you want the world to know? We got we got the who knows who listening from who knows where. I know some of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Just that, yeah, that, like, Jesus, um, if you ever feel like you're not enough, no, you're not worthy. You're not wrong. But <laughs> the truth of the matter is, is Jesus looked at you and wanted even just a chance to spend eternity with you. And so he came down. He lived a perfect life. And then he died on the cross and therefore made you worthy. Like his death made you worthy. Um, and so, yeah, just keep hanging in there. <laughs> um <laughs> your story's not over and he has the power to redeem yeah. everything that is broken whether it be in this age or the age to come um and i think that's something like i've realized lately is like i'm like okay god like take this pain away like i'm sick of it like where is the justice and he's like mm. yeah it's it's coming and you can see like glimpses of it here but like one day I will restore everything. Yeah. Like everything. And you can have peace. You can have joy knowing that. Um, but also Jesus is really fun. Like he's <laughs> not boring. He is really fun. So um, if you ever have the urge to dance with Jesus, <laughs> go ahead and do it because it's probably the best decision you could ever make. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Gosh, I'm so proud of you. I can't believe it. I don't know if I've ever told you that. I probably have. I say these things all the time. But just like, you know, something something went right with you. 
Like he made you very, very special. I, I could, I have a sense for, <laughs> for people's uh, callings and their anointings. And I, I feel like there is an anointing over you to be one of these people that, you know, I, we would say change the world, right? <laughs> but really what I, I think you have a capacity to show people Jesus and I think you have the words to like tell them what they're seeing. Mm-hmm. I see that in you. And I, I've seen you do it already. I can't wait to see what's next <laughs> for you. This is going to be so fun. You're just getting started. Ah. You're just getting started. I think if if God were to just pop in here and whisper in your ear, here's my plan for you, you'd probably freak out. I'd probably pass out on the floor. Would, yeah, and then I'd get up and be like, wait, what happened? And then God would say it again and I'd pass out again. Yeah. Because you'd be like, all the things I've been praying for were too small. Yeah. I should have been praying for more. Dude, I, can't, yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've thought that. Like, oh, gosh, I was just hoping God would do like this. I didn't realize it. No, he's he's going to do all this. No, because so. he's, he's, he's already, like, done that, like, I mean, countless times in my life. But, like, even like, with with his summer, I was, like, praying some big prayers. And I was, like, yeah, like, Jesus, like, I, you know, like, what is my purpose? Yeah. Um, and then got into children's ministry i mean i've been in my whole life but like i really like i was like whoa like i was made for this yeah but then he was like it doesn't stop there and i'm like what do you mean and he's like i've given you a heart for racial reconciliation um and now i'm here and i don't know what's gonna come of it but i know that like it like jews can use it in for his glory so yeah yeah wherever he goes i'll go even if he has to drag me sometimes. <laughs> oh, he will. Don't worry. Well, I, I I pray for you regularly. Your your name is in that little weird looking old school <laughs> book right there. Um, and I'll I'll be continuing to pray that you'll embrace your calling, and just step boldly in obedience in spite of your own <laughs> shortcomings. Yeah. Yeah. Do it. In his in our weaknesses, he yeah. is strong. Amen. All right, so it's my tradition to attempt a high five across, like, way out here. So here, one, two, three, go. See, <laughs> All right. my long arms come in handy. I know, that was good. That was very successful. We did it. Good job. Yes, thank you. That was fun. Yeah, that was pretty fun. That was fun. Uh, yeah, you gave me a lot of thought. <laughs> this is really good. Yeah. I definitely prayed on the way over here hmm. that the Holy Spirit would take over. Yeah. And I think he did because yeah. there were like those moments where um, I would sit and I would just like start to just have this overwhelming feeling. I was like, all right, um, something is happening. My body's tingling <laughs> and it kind of feels like out of body experience. Yeah. I'm like, okay, Jesus has something to say. And then we get into these great conversations. That is so fun. So. I love like, it. Yeah. This, this is why I do this. Because these are out there for uh, like ever, really. Like once you <laughs> upload something, you it's it's gone. Like, but the um, internet is forever. Yeah, who knows? Who could hear what? Yeah, that's my prayer. I want people to hear these messages. Like, because for every one of you, there's a million others that are exactly you. That hearing your story and your thoughts, they're like, oh my gosh. This is me. Yeah. And I love, gosh, you you 
tie it back to the gospel. I love the gospel. You bring it back. You actually <laughs> successfully make it, though. That's the thing. A lot of people just say, and Jesus. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? But That's why you like, that's one thing of like, you have to study the word. Yeah. Like, whether it be you're listening to it, because I was having an interesting conversation earlier of like, yeah, like, you have to remember, like, some people aren't, like, visual learners where it's really hard for them to read. Yeah. But So you can listen to the Bible, too, where you can watch something like the Bible Project, yeah. really great resource. But it's, like, when you, like, honestly and earnestly seek him and, like, seek his, like, his wisdom, like, he'll give it to you. When you yeah. ask, you shall receive. That's a, And so. We call that a promise. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a funny thing, what you described, like, the out-of-body thing. <laughs> so... I, I've experienced that, I don't know, dozens of times, and it, it's almost always uh, teaching. <laughs> always, it's like when because there's what I a can't, coincidence. There's so many Sundays I can't even count them. Where, like during the week, I'll write out this talk, you know, because we do the little video. It's Bible project, whatever. And then there's the part where I come up and like teach mm-hmm. the gospel connection and all that. And I would write something out, and it was good. I'm like, this is great. This will teach. I can do that. And then the second I touch the microphone, <laughs> I don't say a word of it. Something else happens, and mm-hmm. I just start talking. And it's a totally different message that's way better than the one I wrote. And those are the times when you're like, how much did I really have to do with that? No, yeah. What did I do? I, I grabbed the microphone and stood there, <laughs> and he did the thing. And I guess there's some level of obedience just to be willing yeah, to like to say yes. But those are the times that you're like, I, I'm I'm literally just kind of hanging on for the ride in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, one of my my friends, he um, what's one one of the things that's really cool about EPU is God has placed me to um a school and have I've found some friends that love Jesus really a lot but they also are really in tune with like the holy spirit mm. um and hi lily and <laughs> he prophesies like um he pretty much is just speaking what god is speaking and you can prove it by what the bible says and literally every time he will prophesy over me he won't remember a single thing he said mm. and i'm like that's how i know that it's god wow um but yeah there's some God's pretty cool. He works in mysterious ways. Um, if only we knew. Uh, I don't if think only we knew, I, I don't think... Gosh, th- she's dirty. My mind would yes. not be able to... My head would explode. Hold all that. Yeah. Hello. Hello. All right. Well, there we go. In the books. Ah. I'll take this off or my head's going to explode with these <laughs> headphones. Uh, the ears. That's better, huh? All right, there you go. Another one in the bag. We did it. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Uh, gosh, what a what a cool perspective, man. I um, I'm I'm honestly humbled. Uh, I'm inspired, and I, I'm I'm really hopeful. Actually, I, I feel like I I finally was able to reach a point where I found some answers to a couple questions. Um, not that it's all about me, but like we said, it, it, it changing things begins in the heart of a person. And, uh, yeah, thank you so much, Madison, just for your perspective on things. That was really great. And uh, thank you for listening to the show. Again, if you like what you hear 
and you want to support the show, check it out on patreon.com. Throw a few bucks this way. Let me upgrade some equipment and just keep this thing uh, paying for itself. I'm happy to do it out of pocket, but if you want to help out, that's always appreciated. But most importantly, share the show. If you hear something that impacts you, I guarantee you it would impact a thousand other people just as much. Uh, So share the thing out there. Let's get it going. And of course, if you want to be on the show, please be on the show. Get in touch with me. Send me an email at thegreatstoriespodcast at gmail.com. And of course, stay tuned because there's more interviews to come. And super appreciate you listening. All right. Good night. Oh, why, hello, you're still listening. Hmm, how did that happen? Maybe you are expecting a little something extra? Well, you're in luck, because you get something extra if you keep your podcaster on by accident. This is the my little bonus section. Uh, and this week, you know, there's a subject that, oddly enough, has come up, uh, not just for me, but for a handful of other people that I know. Uh, which seems super awkward to talk about on a podcast or whatever, but I'm going to do it because it's my show and I do what I want. Uh, It's the subject of like physical relationships before marriage. Uh, A lot of you know, I've started dating recently. I got got a girlfriend that I think is just amazing. Super, just, I'm totally stoked about what's happening there. And, you know, I'm a a leader of high schoolers and and I teach uh, some college people and all that. And the subject comes up surprisingly often. And it seems like there's a a cultural norm these days that, you know, physical relationships begin much, much earlier than they would have traditionally or what most people would assume uh, is is the the biblical point. And uh, I keep finding myself having just counseling sessions with people basically talking about Like, what are appropriate boundaries? Why do we have them? And what are they for? And uh, what I keep coming back to is this idea that the the relationships that we get in, the romantic relationships that we get in, exist to glorify God. Like, our goal is to glorify God. Now, granted that, that, you know, everybody is sinful and flawed, and we don't deserve the blessings that we get. But from a from a guy's perspective, which is the only perspective I really have, we, <laughs> we talked about that earlier. I can't, I'm not a woman, so whatever. But from a guy's perspective, if you think about that, that what we are deserving of, what would be fair and right, is for us to be punished for our sin. Uh, certainly, what is not fair is for God to entrust to a man 
a woman. And you see this in Scripture for all the way from creation forward, that these women are the finale of creation. They're the last thing that he made. They're a beautiful thing in, in the eyes of God. And when God allows me or another guy to date a female, he's essentially allowing us the, the privilege of being with one of his precious daughters. Uh, and that's a huge responsibility. That's a huge privilege. I mean, this is a, a daughter of my king. That's what it is. And my gosh, uh, to, to, think, to think of it in that light, it would be so just outside the, the bounds of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> Decency? Respect? To, to simply use uh, a female for my own temporary, immediate, physical pleasure. Uh, the Bible teaches really clearly that the, the physical intimacy between a man and a woman is the expression of a deep, personal relationship. And to, to overstep that is to put the cart before the horse. You know, so much, so often we get involved in physical relationships before the, the emotional one is even there. But looking at it like this, I'm like, my gosh, like God, God hands you this precious thing, this, this daughter of his, his glory. And he says, I, I'm entrusting you to, to take care of this one. And we see in, in the book of Ephesians and, and when it talks about the marriage relationship between a man and a wife and, and just how the man is called to be Christ in that relationship is to set themselves aside up to and including death, literally, for the sake of this woman. That Christ died in order to present the bride, the church, to himself as holy and blameless. And and what we are called to do as men is to to set aside our own uh, our own good, our own will, our own desires for the sake of these women. Uh, not for our own glory, but so that we can present them to our king, to their father, as holy and blameless. Like our role as men in these relationships is to tend to the flourishing, the blossoming of these women in glory to their creator. It would be such a huge disrespect to step over that and, and use this relationship for some kind of selfish, uh, temporary pleasure. And I, I think that's, you know, you can argue statistics and all that about like, oh, couples that have sex before marriage are this much more likely to divorce. And all those things are, they're, they're true. I mean, they're, they're just implications of, I believe, that the truth that God has set forward, that the physical relationship is an expression of a spiritual connection of a personal connection and that personal connection is only only given true seed as as it's seen as this tool to glorify god that through this relationship we will both glorify god more because as as the man i will step closer into a role to to a, a smaller version of who jesus is my calling is to become more like him and through this relationship that will be expressed and then the woman is, is again, experiencing a smaller version of what it means to follow Christ as, as the man steps in and shepherds her towards glory to present her to the king as holy and blameless. And uh, jumping in bed before marriage, uh, 
just seems very ugly <laughs> compared to that picture. Anyhow, that's what I'm thinking about tonight. So there you go. Thanks for listening. See you next time.